0: of Nimrod, the X-Men villain who is at the heart of Powers of Ten, the ongoing X-Men comic book crossing over with House of X, written by Jonathan Hickman. I'm your host, Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com, and today I'm going to be talking through the history of the villain. Nimrod. Now, this is a character that has a relatively sparse and occasionally sporadic history with the X Men and in X Men comics. Nonetheless, I have put together a reading order because the character is so interesting and prominent in the pages here of Powers of Ten. If you haven't been reading House of X or Powers of Ten or been keeping up with the comic book Herald Kraken Krakoa series I've been doing, again, this is the fifth episode in the installments, I would recommend you go back and read if you are concerned about spoilers. For everyone else who has been following along or if you just want to get the history of the character here before you go into the series, which I think is practical, I will be talking a little bit about the fact that the character is involved. But aside from that, honestly, um, it's not like I'm going to spoil any major twists or turns in this one, I don't believe. So Nimrod, let's talk about not the childish insult, not the famed northern Wisconsin high school football team and franchise, but the X-Men villain who is basically the ultimate sentinel. Um, Nimrod is created in the pages of... Chris Claremont and John Romita Jr. on Canny X-Men in the late 1980s, and he is a sentinel from the Days of Future Past timeline. Now, I include in my Nimrod reading order that I put together here over on comicbookherald.com, which you can always check out in the—gotta get my hand on screen—show notes. Uh, you can click that link there to see the whole thing. I do recommend reading Days of Future Past as a prelude. Now, Nimrod is not specifically mentioned by name in that comic but that's the timeline where he comes from where effectively x-men have been nearly wiped out i mean they are all but exterminated days of future past it's uncanny x-men number 141 to number 142. if you're unfamiliar with those comics highly highly recommended They're classics by chris claremont and john byrne they're essentials and basically that is like the dystopian future where Nimrod comes from, and he is the the ultimate Sentinel in that he's adaptive. He can respond to, like, any type of mutant. Basically, when you're thinking about Sentinels and you're thinking big red, purple, you know, animated series style type things that are destroyed by Wolverine's claws, Nimrod is the version of Sentinels that, like, the X-Men borderline can't defeat they always need some sort of trick right it can like reconstitute its atoms at the atomic level it has um sort of like protocols and answers for everyone if you actually think of the uh x-men daisy future past movie that came out um you know in 2014 those sentinels that come and just wipe out the mutants in the early going before they have to do that last ish effort a la Daisy days of future past the comic sending someone back in time In in the movie it's wolverine uh those types of sentinels are very akin to nimrod style models so that's who we're talking about here um again because the character is so prevalent in the pages of of powers of ten you know he is the oh boy oh boy hang on okay <laughs> sorry he is the um you know the the catalyst for the x-men Year 100 timeline and the events that happen there so it's important to know what is going on with Nimrod. So let's talk about his history. Again, he's a interesting, compelling sentinel. I think one thing that has surprised people is Powers of Ten. Nimrod has this—he uh, has an attitude. He is kind of sassy. Um, he makes jokes. Uh, he is taunting some of the X-Men that he captures. And, and you know, I think quite famously now, is extremely excited to potentially torture one of them. So we're going to talk about, you know, is this true to his character in some ways? Yes. In some surprising ways, I found going back and doing this reading order. Uh, it You know, he actually does have more personality than I think you would anticipate from a Sentinel. So where does Nimrod begin? He starts, again, I mentioned Days of Future Past, but then really, there's like three sequences of Uncanny X-Men, again, starting with Chris Claremont and um, and John Romita Jr. on art. The first issues are 191, 193, and 194. This is when you get Nimrod entering the Earth-616 timeline, and basically, in these comics, what happens is Nimrod shows up. And he is kind of confused, like, where he is, what's going on. He's trying his data, is trying to put everything together. And the robot ultimately determines the first thing he sees is, like, a mugging. And according to his protocols, he needs to protect humanity. So Nimrod here actually takes on kind of like a sort of like he's the Punisher style bent, where he is the protector of humanity. And he he deduces, as part of his Sentinel programming, that mutants, are, you know, the fact that they exist here means that they must be one of the biggest threats to humanity as well. So in these early issues, the one of the biggest fight that we see is Nimrod, uh, he encounters Juggernaut is just like stomping around town in what is a really fun issue in Uncanny 194. And Nimrod whoops Juggernaut's butt. And I think this is meant to tell us, you know, this is a villain that is not to be trifled with. And that's the one thing I like about the Sentinels and the potential of Nimrod as a big bad in Hickman's House of X and Powers of 10, is it makes Sentinels scary. You know, it makes them this thing that this force of will, this force of machine will that, you know, mutants can't fight. This isn't Magneto out on the street, and, and, you know, Colossus can do a fastball special with Wolverine and take him by surprise. Like, Nimrod has answers for all these things. Now, of course, there's exceptions to this, as you can see, just from this famous cover here of Nightcrawler wearing, uh, you know, he's got Colossus arms and he's got Rogue's, uh, you know, like uh, top on. That's because Rogue has to basically absorb the powers of the X-Men team in this comic in order to take Nimrod by surprise effectively. So that's the the debut the, the debut of Nimrod is he comes in here and he again, you can see here, um, you know, his prime directive is basically to obliterate mutants. So he attempts to do that throughout his early appearances. I think one one panel that I found really interesting that I'm gonna call it here in the video is is there's a note here that Nimrod makes to himself saying class Omega subjects are on a par with this unit. So basically saying, and this is, he's kind of analyzing the the patterns and behavior of Rachel Summers, aka the Phoenix, who we'll get to in a second here. Um, But this is particularly relevant, I think, because we've already seen in House of X number one, hickman making a point in in some of those tom muller data pages to to say that omega level mutants must be protected at all costs and i think that could potentially play a role here as you know basically we're seeing right now mutant kind is prepping and preparing for the you know sentinel the inevitability of sentinel attempted extermination of of you know creatures like of Of machines like nimrod you know coming for their species essentially and nimrod observing that omega level mutants are you know on par with him means that protecting them strategically could make a lot of sense because maybe that's the only way if nimrod does get online which you know i think the x-men are we're seeing them working to try to prevent um if he does maybe that's the only way out so The rest of Nimrod's early appearances, you can see in uh, issues 208 and 209, uh, they get like, there's a really cool X Men and Hellfire Club fight that takes place here. I would actually say this is probably Nimrod at his most intimidating, his scariest, because he actually wipes out some of the Hellfire Club and really is just like laying waste to the teams before uh, Rachel Summers, aka the Phoenix, shows up and, and helps out a bit. And then in 246 and 247, we jump ahead here to this is Mark Silvestri. On art, this is the Australia years of the X-Men. We get a really kind of bonker story where uh Nimrod fuses with Master Mold and um and basically it leads to the end of of Nimrod as we know him. He will come back in the nineties as uh Bastion. Now, I'm not gonna get into all the details of Bastion other than to say like basically bastion is nimrod and master mold combined like a so this ultimate of sentinels made flesh um so it's it's this like he's still an x-men villain but he can kind of move about in society and and influence and manipulate people um in a way that Sentinels typically cannot. There's actually a really good issue that I found here in the 90s. It's called uh, Machine Man slash Bastion Annual 1998 Number One. It's completely bizarre that it even exists, I would say, but it does an excellent job explaining the um, the Nimrod and the the Bastion relationship, sort of showing him created out of the ashes of Master Mold and Nimrod. Uh, being tossed into the siege perilous which again there's a lot of like high concept stuff flying around in Uncanny X-Men at this point that is frankly not worth explaining to get us to to an explanation other than to say Nimrod and Bastion are eternally connected I'm going to separate them out and just talk about like the Nimrod comics you want to read but if you're super interested in everything about them you would want to progress to some of Bastion's greatest hits it'd be things like Um, Operation Zero Tolerance in the late 90s, or I would say the Christopher, um, what is it, Christopher Yost and Craig Kyle stories in Uncanny X-Force in the late 2000s, building up to X-Men Second Coming. Okay. Okay. There's also a couple really cool callouts of Nimrod in the 90s in the Excalibur series. Uh, this series makes a lot of sense for more Nimrod-related material because of the fact that Rachel Summers and Kitty Pride are both regular Excalibur members during this time. Uh, in issues 51 and 62, these are both Alan Davis-written issues during his long run on the title after doing a lot of the art with Chris Claremont in the early going of the title. Um, they flash to the days of future past timeline. And you get these uh, panels here of Rachel and Kitty attempting to destroy Project Nimrod. So you get some a little bit more detail about like what it was like you know, for them in the Days of Future Past timeline about Nimrod, you know, effectively being there. There's uh, the uh, the implication that Kitty blew up a, a reactor plant that was attempting to create Nimrods ultimately um, in one of these comics, although clearly that, like, didn't actually destroy the being. There's also some really good Sentinel stuff here, including a master mold in these comics that I think has a ton of House of X, Powers of ten crossover potential in that it's a Sentinel saying, like, We need to purge the Earth of mutants, but not only that, we need to purge all timelines of mutants. So it's actually expanding well beyond the typical threat of the Sentinel and moving into the multiversal future timeline type stuff that I think writer Jonathan Hickman in his sci-fi and in his Marvel comics to date has had an awful lot of fun with. So I'm curious to see if that's going to play a bigger role going forward as well. And then the final one here for Nimrod stories is actually, um, it's probably the most direct Nimrod story post Uncanny X Men Origins, and it's New X Men Childhood to End. Basically, you're gonna wanna read New X Men like 20 through 32. These are Craig Kyle and Christopher Yost comics, and they bring Nimrod back to the present day in some really interesting ways. Um, They have Nimrod as like the core villain of an arc, but initially he's actually just kind of like picked out of the time stream by Reverend William Stryker, that notorious uh, X-Men villain. And Stryker uses Nimrod's like computer databases in order to find and um, ultimately try to kill mutants, including the new X-Men here, who are, this is post Grant Morrison's new X-Men. So these are like actual young students at the school are actual quote-unquote like literal new mutants and stuff and um and basically striker uses nimrod to get to them nimrod eventually does come online and once he does then the new mutants and forge actually have to deal with him now during this story arc nimrod from a parallel timeline he threatens forge by saying if you don't help me travel through time figure out time travel in my you know in my Sentinel being, I will kill your family. And Forge's family in this timeline is his true love, Aurora Monroe Storm, who during the like continuity of Marvel Earth-616 at this point was married to Black Panther. So this is obviously not the, the Storm and Forge future that we know, um, but they have a kid too. So you get these kind of harrowing scenes of Nimrod showing up and threatening Forge's family, threatening Storm and their child. And then all of that building, of course, to the new X-Men and Forge needing to stop them, which takes us really to like the last we've seen of Nimrod proper until powers of 10, which is where we stand today. So that is a history of nimrod in brief he is a destructive force i think already we've seen hickman and rb silva the artist make nimrod the most interesting he's ever been in the pages of powers of 10 but hopefully this gives you some understanding of the character and where he's come from and and also like what he might mean moving forward in this series. So again, this is Kraken Krakoa. This is me, Dave, founder and editor-in-chief of Comic Book Herald, trying to just like explore and explain as much of things that I find most captivating about House of X and Powers of Ten because I think this has been the most fun X-Men comic I've read in since I'm a comic book fan. So I hope you're enjoying. Thanks for listening, everybody. Again, you can check out the link to the Nimrod reading order on comicbookherald.com. I've got a link in the show notes. And as always, you can find me anywhere at Comic Book Herald on social, on YouTube. Um, You can find the podcast, Best Comics Ever. And if you're interested in supporting the show, figuring out ways to help out Comic Book Herald some more, go on over to patreon.com slash comicbookherald to do just that. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and enjoy the comics.